Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is brought to you by The Hostel Group. Visit thehostelgroup.com and support hostels by booking direct. Episode 24. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is a very special episode. Our guest today is Jackson Groves. Jackson is a very successful travel blogger. He runs the travel blog The Journey Era and started a nonprofit called The Adventure Bag Movement, which we dive deep into during the interview. We talk about why Jackson has so many pictures with garbage bags on his site, his tips for paying less than $12 for accommodation a night, and how he went from his first trip in Bali, crashing his motorbike and losing three of his teeth, to running one of the more popular travel blogs out there. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Jackson Groves. Well, how are you doing today? You're, you're living in Panama, right? Yeah, it's my uh, last few days in Panama. Um, today we, we woke up at what was 4.30 and did a little hike to a viewpoint uh, overlooking Panama City. Saw, saw a sloth, some monkeys, then we came back at breakfast. Did a lot of work organizing a, uh, a cleanup that we're having this Saturday and some other work on the computer, then went for a run out around Panama City. So That sounds like a heavenly day. Yeah, do you mind uh, explaining what your nonprofit is? The, the Adventure Bag Movement is the title of it, right? Yeah, so uh, about two months ago, um, I was doing a lot of solo hiking out in Panama, so a lot of time to think uh, out on the trails, and I just thought, uh, it was about time I uh, I did something about the trash on the trails. I mean, I wasn't littering myself, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't doing anything uh, productive other than you know not adding to the problem. Um, and being out there that much, um, and especially you know you have a lot of spare time on hikes when you, it's like a five six hour out and back. So I started taking a bag and filling it up. Um, when I got to the top, filling it up on the way down and. I kind of came up with the idea that you know every time I went on an adventure, I was going to collect one bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, it just started as a small um, plastic bag, and then I, I shared this idea on my Instagram, and which is, uh, a lot of my followers are um, into adventures and, and do hiking and all the same stuff. And so I think it uh, it resonated a little bit with them because you know we all see trash. It's not just Panama. It's it's, uh, it's all throughout Asia, Australia, America. It's everywhere. Sure. Um, and yeah, people started copying. I, I I told people to join in, and people started sending me their adventure bags, and I was reposting them. And then it's it's grown uh, to the point where I'm getting um, photos every morning. I wake up with all these photos, and I try and repost them. And I'm thanking everybody, but it's getting quite a lot now. We've had adventure bags all the way from. Um, the Alps to Machu Picchu to um, Nusa Penida in Indonesia, um, scuba diving underwater. So, yeah, it's cool. And I've kind of taken it to the next level where I'm organizing events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using my Instagram to promote these events. And we're, we're gathering 
lots of people uh, in locations that I've visited and noticed the trash and and bringing people together to go on a little adventure or a hike and then we're doing a cleanup. So, yeah, trying to clean up the trash but also make it a fun, you know, cool thing to do rather than just going picking up trash. It's just something you do while you're on the adventure and, and it makes you feel good and and you, then you, you share it with your friends and family and your followers and hopefully inspire more people to also collect the bags. So your one bag can become, you know, 10 if you inspire you know, your friends and family and followers to, to join the movement. I love that, man. Super admirable. And, you know, kind of like you said, all these countries, or a lot of them, there's a huge trash and litter problem. And a lot of it is tourists coming by and just leaving all of their trash there or just not being thoughtful about cleaning up. And I think it's really cool that you, as someone who's going to these other countries, is actually doing the opposite and trying to help that problem. Uh, when you say that you're setting up these meetups, what kind of crowds are you getting? Uh, you know, are they other people who are tourists and uh, backpackers or are you getting some locals to help out as well so we've i've only done one mm-hmm. the next one's happening on saturday but gotcha. the one we did do was uh, it's three hours from panama city so it's in a place called el valle de anton mm-hmm. which is a um, kind of little little hiking town and uh, people came from all over panama people rented uh, private buses to come down and we sold out the hostel uh, that I was staying at, and we had, I think, 20, 20 tents set up in the parking lot. Cool. Um, and uh, it was a lot of Panamanians. Um, obviously, tourists aren't, you know, equipped to kind of change their plans that quickly mm-hmm. um, to go out there. But we had uh, a mixture. Uh, a lot of people at the hostel and a lot of people in the, the area came. But uh, we had students from the area. We had um, families bringing their kids. We had a four-year-old hiking up with us, dogs, the whole lot. Um, and, yeah, we had for the first hike, which was at 4, 4 a.m., 4.30, I think we started, um, which meant some people drove from Panama City at, like, midnight wow. to get there. Uh, we had 70 people marching through the, the quiet town in the dark um, <laughs> with torches uh, heading up for the sunrise. And then some of them left and we did another hike and we had another, I think, 50 or 60. So I think about 100 different people throughout the day came through. So that was really cool. Very cool, man. So what's the, what's the future for this project? Do you think you want to take it along with you to the next places you go? Yeah, I think I really like tapping into the adventure culture, which has been really strong here in Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is present in every country. Sometimes you just have to dig a little deeper, but it's pretty quick to rally around, you know, someone who's putting in the effort to organize an event like that. So I think it'd be really cool to, you know, my next country is Indonesia. So I really like the idea of, you know, coming across a place that's just, uh, covered in trash and being able to solve that trash problem even if temporarily but the main thing is that that hundred people that come or however many it is they kind of go home with a you know inspired to to be a change change agent or a thought leader or you never know what the um flow on effect from that's going to be completely well and it's a it's a great thing to use your influence and speaking of your influence i mean you've you've gained this huge following as a travel blogger how long have you been doing your blog for it's the journey era correct yeah the the blog journey era uh started in april of 2016 so 
that makes it uh, close to two and a half months that the blog has been live. So yeah, it's been quite a journey. I started it in Hawaii, um, and ever since then, I've been backpacking around the world. For a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are aiming to become travel bloggers. You can see it starting up every day. People are starting a new travel Instagram or a travel blog. Do you have any advice for someone who's looking to start their own? Yeah, I think the the main thing and the, the piece of advice that I read early on, and I've I've gone back to read it a couple of times or, or seen it a couple of times again, is that uh, you should keep the focus on the travel and and not on the person, not on your yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to get caught up, and you'll see a lot of people get caught up in the the idea that they might be a bit of a celebrity. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it it happens really quickly. You you'll see it uh, a lot of times, but. If you keep the focus, if you want to be a travel blogger, that is, if you keep the focus on the places, you know, you've, you've got unlimited places to go and visit. There's so many cool spots around the world to see. So for me, I really enjoy the fact that it's not so much about me. Um, mm-hmm. People don't read my articles because they like me. They search on Google for places that they're thinking about visiting. Sure, and I, yeah. I'm trying to rank number one, uh, and then they read what I've written. Um, that's kind of kept it uh, really simple for me. I don't have to be, uh, you know, front and center like a vlogger or relying on the Instagram. You have to kind of be this personality all the time, and I'm I like kind of doing it in the background, just enjoying the adventure and kind of documenting that. So you, you have to think long term because it does get very draining if you keep it about yourself or mm-hmm. have a lot of focus on yourself. Yeah, I, I can totally see what you mean. It's it's really refreshing to see travel blogs that are about the destination itself. I feel like the ego gets in the way a lot and, you know, it's just ends up being people taking selfies, uh, you know, on in Bali. <laughs> and then it's just, right. it's not about the, the country or the city. It just turns into being about them. And yeah, if you're, if you're looking right. for, if you're looking to travel, you don't really want to hear about one specific person you want to you know you want to go on the road you want to see what actually happens correct and your your personality and your you know character is gonna come through in your blog um anyway Mm -hmm. so i would advise to write articles about the place rather than you know five reasons i didn't like iceland i mean these kind of articles if you're a celebrity maybe it's interesting, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely, definitely keep it about the places. So, uh, as far as being a travel blogger, you've been on the road for how long now? I've been backpacking for uh, since June 2016, oh, wow. um, more or less nonstop. And before that, I was studying abroad um, in America for more or less four years. Got you. Can you remember any specific experiences you've had? that you received because of the benefits of travel blogging, like any, any special things that you, that you can look back on, times in a certain country, you know, times in a certain city, anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the, the more your influence grows, the more people who, you know, they, they want to tap into that audience. Mm-hmm. So you begin to get offered a lot of things. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go on some amazing trips and, and do some experiences that, aren't necessarily available to the regular traveler mm-hmm. um, or to the you know regular budget 
my budget. So uh, thing, things like sleeping overnight on a pontoon on the Great Barrier Reef um, as part of a trip with the tourism board. Um, and it was just four of us out there. So we had breakfast, swam with turtles, had um, had coffee and did it again. And that kind of stuff just, you have to pinch yourself a bit. Um, <laughs> no kidding. But for the for all the cool experiences that you do with the um, tourism boards or on um, kind of like sponsored sponsored trips, for me the the greatest part about it all is that I've managed to uh, find a way to allow myself to travel independently, so that I can go and travel in a normal way. So, mm-hmm. so for me, I, I find the uh, experiences as a travel blogger and the biggest advantage is that people who have the same interests uh, in the places that I go reach out to me after seeing me go on adventures in their country or their town and they want to go show me a a spot or hang out and and I get to meet a lot of uh, locals and adventurers that the regular traveler just wouldn't get connected with. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's the biggest um, plus and it's been huge in Panama. I've met so many cool people here. Um, who've gone way out of their way to make sure that I've uh, seen their favorite spots and had had an epic time in Panama. So above all the, you know, hotel or helicopter flight or these kind of epic experiences, that for me is the best part about being a, you know, a persona in the in the travel industry. Yeah, there's nothing really like being taken out by a local in that certain city. For sure. And it, it is tough sometimes. I'm not an incredibly outgoing person to meet people, so normally I just do my own thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, having this um, reach, is a lot of people end up seeing what you're doing and and they reach out to you. So that, that's by far my favorite part about the whole thing is that I just get connected with the most awesome people all around the world. Oh, that's great. What, a, what an awesome reason to start a travel blog in general. Exactly. And, you know, for all the pitfalls that social media has, uh, and there's a lot of them, that's probably the best one, is that you can find your your people mm-hmm. much easier than uh, in the past. If you, you know, it's not hard to search for, you know, the guy who knows all the waterfalls in, in Panama. If you spend an hour on Instagram, and chances are if you chat to him he he might let you know some information or invite you out so that's one of the great things about social media yeah there's a lot of cons but that is definitely a that is definitely a good reason to use it while you're traveling exactly so you you mentioned your budget a little while back and you know when you're not when you're not being offered free hotels uh, in your bio on your blog you mentioned that you never spend more than twelve dollars a night on accommodation do you have any tips to or secrets to maintain that that low budget travel? Yeah, so generally in uh, Southeast Asia, where I spent a lot of my my first year and a half, you can get a hostel for anywhere between four and ten dollars uh-huh. in a dorm room. And then you know if you if you look hard, you can generally find the place between. Uh, you know, eight, seven to fifteen dollars for a private private room in a lot of these places. So, um, but as you go to places outside of Southeast Asia, things can get a bit more expensive, and you need to rely on other 
you know, uh, more strategic uh, uh, ideas of how to how to travel for so cheap. So you've got couch surfing, which I, I for me the hardest so far has been I I spent forty days on the island of Kauai, mm-hmm. um, just to give you a real um, a real life example of how I did it. The cheapest hostel there was fully booked. And they offered me a fold-out bed that I, I wouldn't have access to during the day. So just at night, they would give me a fold-out bed for $55 a night. Oh, my gosh. And I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, <laughs> so I, I couch surfed for nine days. And then I ran out of couch surf hosts on Kauai. Mm-hmm. And then I chatted to a guy on Instagram, young French guy. And we slept in the back of a Toyota Prius, um, <laughs> which... I mean, you guys know what a Toyota Prius looks like. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not great for one person to sleep in the back of. So, uh, yeah, we slept in the back of that for, I think, 10 days, the best part of 10 days. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then I went, uh, I had a hotel collaboration for two days. And then we, we managed to get uh, kind of an Airbnb with like six of us or something and crammed it in. But, yeah, that's the kind of, you just kind of have to scrap it together when you're or camping and just scrap together your trip when you're in a place like Hawaii or New York or, you know, Australia even, where there's the cheapest real option is just way too expensive for that kind of budget. Love the idea of sleeping in the back of a Toyota. Just not not ideal at all for, like you said, not ideal at all for one person. Two people, no fucking way. Having not too much pride to do that, right? Like just being in the mindset of like, you know, I'm here, I'm here for the place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep where I can in order to continue this vacation. I think that's admirable. Yeah, uh, definitely, and it's something that I think I said at the beginning. Well, in the beginning, I wanted to earn eight hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, that's enough to like cover cover your life in Asia, more or less. Yeah. Um, and then once I started earning more than that, I I didn't want to upgrade my lifestyle just because I was earning more. I already felt like I was living a good life. And to go out and chase, you know, better accommodations and the easier transport and all this kind of thing, it just it felt kind of unnecessary. And so I kind of made it a plan that I would never do that, um, which... It ends up being quite quite ridiculous at times, um, <laughs> but it's just I'm pretty stubborn and the kind of person who likes a streak, so I, I keep it going now. And um, yeah, I write the, the blogs from hostel rooms. I charge my drone and fifty other cameras from dorm beds. Um, looks like I'm planting bombs sometimes. <laughs> and, Sometimes yeah, things just look so ridiculous and if people saw it, they'll just laugh. But for me, it keeps me, you know, just on the regular um, travel trail, mm-hmm. travel track. And that's what I'm writing about and that's who I'm writing for. So if you venture too far off of that track, you soon become irrelevant to the exact people that you're trying to uh, write for. No kidding. I feel like you wouldn't lose sight of why you're doing it. Exactly, and if you're if you're backpacking and you're looking for uh, an adventure travel guide, do you really want to read the guide from the person who stayed at the Hilton and had their trip sponsored by the tourism board and their activities planned out exactly. um, by a 60-year-old working at the tourism board? Not really. So 
I kind of look at it from that perspective and I, I have respect for people who are, you know, reading my my content and my, my guides. So I often do things in a different way than what a lot of bloggers are doing. So, But definitely it keeps you humble a lot of the time when you're in a cold shower or things aren't working or it's not quite as clean as you'd expected and things like this. <laughs> well, it keeps it genuine. Exactly. So this podcast, obviously being titled Hostel Homies, we, we love diving deep into hostel culture and the people you meet in that hostel culture. Is there anyone you've met during your travels, during your low budget travels that has had a big impact on your life? Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've met a couple of people um, that have ended up becoming like travel buddies for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, was from my hometown while I was living in Hawaii and he uh, he was staying at a hostel in Hawaii and it was $45 a night and uh, his budget was nowhere near that for the month and he was, I think it was his first time traveling abroad and he asked if he could uh, come over and just have a drink mm-hmm. um, because I had we had mutual friends who'd asked me to do this and he came over and he... Uh, we had a chat and he said, oh, do you think it's okay if I can sleep on your couch um, tonight? I was there at school at the time. And he ended up staying um, with us for three months and he's become one of my best friends and we've traveled all around the world together. I had the same thing happen meeting another guy uh, in Hawaii and we've traveled eight countries together again. So all of my friends right now are people I've met in hostels or traveling pretty much. Um, that's just how it goes on the road. Oh, I love that. The true hostel homies. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So during these experiences and travels, um, traveling is a lot of time when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone. So you put yourself into situations that you've never really been in. Uh, has anything happened to you that seemed dangerous, scary, embarrassing at the time that you can look back on now and laugh or smile about? So probably two, two anecdotes to answer that. The first is about danger. I, I think my perception of the world is a little bit skewed. I view it as super safe, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also bearded, six foot, tattooed guy walking around in, in countries where I'm often taller and bigger than everybody. So mm-hmm. I've never had a single issue anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I run. I just ran through the, the projects in Panama with my iPhone out, looking at the map. Um, I don't feel ever. Um, threatened. I'm always smiling and waving at everybody and everybody's doing the same. Things happen, but for me, I don't know if it's because of how I look um, or that I'm just uh, seem to know what I'm doing most times, not uh, like looking like a lost tourist. I've never had a single issue in two and a half years of backpacking. Um, I've never had anything stolen and I've never been confronted at all. So I've never felt a threatened at any point in time. Mm-hmm. One of the big factors that goes along with that is that I don't party a lot. I don't uh, do drugs and I don't really venture into the nightlife of most countries, mm-hmm. which is generally where a lot of issues happen um, naturally when you're drunk with mates and, you know, that's when things get stolen or people get, um, you know, cornered in a dark alley kind of situation. So right. that uh, it's a lot safer to be back at the hostel typing on a 
on a blog post than uh, you know out ten beers deep stumbling down an alley. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> um, so that for me, no threatened. Not really. I, I think I'm on a lucky streak. Everybody says, "Oh, you shouldn't say that. Something's going to happen." But keeps rolling on. So I'll take it while I've got it. Um, well, and it seems like you've got a good general outlook on and trust in people. And I think uh, I think people can sense that. And I, you know, I, I think that's sometimes taken in a corny way, but I, I truly believe that if you really put your trust in people and believe in them, you're not going to get taken advantage of as much as some people would think. Exactly. And I, I often think about that as I'm running through. I mean, it's a real, this, this part of Panama City, it's a real project. It's like all mm -hmm. the low-income people are living there and they kind of love when you run through. They, they cheer you on like it's a bit of a... Um, bit of a crowd like um, <laughs> people don't run through there or people don't really go through there who aren't living there you know, mm -hmm. there's no reason to so I, I wave and say you know in my limited Spanish how's it going and, and good night and stuff and I just think if you if you go through there scared or you don't go through there and people kind of um, teeter around the edges it's not really treating people with the the trust and respect that they deserve and and when you do go in there yes things can happen but for the most part i think people are just like oh this guy's coming through here good on him i'm gonna i'm gonna cheer him on as he runs and, and people do so yeah i i run with the or i not um run in little literal sense but i i go through countries and places with the idea that nothing's gonna happen to me and the worst case scenario is that somebody comes at you with a knife or a gun mm -hmm. and you hand over your iPhone and your, and your wallet and, you know, it's not the end of the world. You have travel insurance. Or, yep. You know, these things can be replaced. That's really the worst case, um, more or less the worst case scenario. So to worry about those kind of things is just going to have an impact on your travels. I just go full bore trust. You leave your camera with the local guy who says he'll look after it. Um, yeah, full full ball. I think that's great. And also, when you get your iPhone stolen, I got mine stolen recently in San Francisco, and there was a couple of days where I didn't have it. And, and honestly, we could all use like a huge break from our cell phones in general. It's kind of a it's kind of a blessing sometimes. For sure, I saw the and I, I think there's a app I never knew about called Screen Time on the iPhone and I, mm -hmm. I clicked into it accidentally the other day and I, I, it was a bit of a shock for what I saw how much time I was on Instagram. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Isn't it overwhelming? Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah, it was too much. So. so you mentioned you might have two anecdotes regarding the uh, stories you can look back on and, and laugh or smile about. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'm pretty stubborn and when you travel through Asia, you have to you have to be pretty quick with it, and um, you know you, you're getting in some countries you're getting ripped off left, right, and center if mm -hmm. you're not careful. And uh, I I used to have kind of an anger anger problems when I was playing soccer, and I, I've let a lot of it go since I've been traveling. Mm -hmm. But I a guy ripped me off with a boat ticket, so that they, he sold me the ticket, and then the boat was full, and he said, "Wait for the next one," and when the next one came. They said I missed my boat, and I just wasn't having it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I demanded that they give me the ticket for the next boat, and they wouldn't. And it went back and forth, and it got into a really heated argument. People were yelling. All, everybody was watching, like 50 people. And, <laughs> and then 
even my friends were like, well, just stop. And uh, I wouldn't let it go. And all of this was over a $1 boat ticket. <laughs> and I just couldn't, I couldn't even like deal with myself for the next week. It was so stupid. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's travel stuff. is just like, it sometimes feels like a, a game or a, I don't know. It's, it can get intense, but yeah, everybody, everybody makes mistakes and I can laugh at myself for that one. Totally. But in the moment, in the moment I was ready for battle, you know. <laughs> I love how it's over, ticket. yeah, over the 80 baht or like however much that yeah. was. The one dollar and that, you know, that happens all the time in Thailand for people who haven't been there. It's, it's constantly people trying to, you know, trying to rip you off, trying to get as much money exactly. from you as you can. So it does, it feels like a game and when you feel like you're losing the game or getting taken advantage of, you do get irrationally angry over very small amounts of money. Exactly, and as you travel more, you you just give you just give the dollar, or you you know you you don't go on the boat, or whatever decision you make. Mm -hmm. Often, it's you kind of have to swallow your pride and and take it. But even the most you know seasoned backpackers, or whatever you want to call it. You know that for me that was an embarrassing one. Like I just couldn't believe myself for the next week. <laughs> But always something you can laugh about later, right? Yeah, oh, I'm the first one to to um, laugh at myself, so that's fine. We all, we all make mistakes. I gave everybody some good old entertainment down at the docks that morning. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the, the crowds, the crowds of tourists walking by, getting to see uh, a good good old fashioned yell off. Yeah, I didn't do Australia any any good for their <laughs> travel reputation. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> On a side note for that, and I feel like I've heard the reasoning for this before, but a lot of people bring this up. Every time I travel, I'm always meeting someone from Australia. Can you can you tell me why this is? Is this do you guys have longer breaks for school? Do you guys have are more likely to take gap years? Is there a specific reason why there's more Australians always in hostels? I think Probably it comes down to two reasons. One is that we're so far away from other countries mm -hmm. that when we go, we kind of travel far wide and for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. because getting there is the hardest part and the most expensive part, uh, especially in the past. You know, anywhere overseas was a thousand dollars. It's a bit, you know, it's cheaper now. But uh, yeah, so once we got there, we kind of tried to live it for as long as we could. Gotcha. Um, it's like it's different now you can jump over to indonesia and stuff but uh yeah i think that that would probably be the first one is that we try and get out of australia because we've a lot of people don't you know get to travel overseas because it is so expensive and so far mm -hmm. and then the second one right now for sure would just be that um the australian dollar is just so strong for traveling in you know asia and um, central america and, and south america so Australians are in a really good position where travel is uh, quite affordable. If you spend a few months working in Australia, you can, depending on your situation, but uh, a middle-class uh, citizen can, can save up to travel, um, which is not a luxury that's afforded to um, people from all countries in the world. So we're definitely lucky with our situation uh, as of right now. And yeah, a lot of a lot of people will finish university and they'll work for a few months or, or whatnot and save up and then they will have enough to 
uh, go and travel in Asia for quite some time because of that exchange rate. Well, it's an understandable reason for traveling. Yeah, for sure. So for someone who travels as much as you, um, a lot of listeners are people who haven't taken their first big trip abroad. Is there any advice you would give to someone who is considering taking their first big vacation? Yeah, yeah, I think um, don't bite it off more than you can chew mm -hmm. too soon. Um, travel uh, is, isn't necessarily the easiest um, easiest thing to do right off the bat. Wow. I, I look back on my first travels and I, I was just absolute mess. Um, uh, booking things like how, how to book the right hostels, what to do and how to find out what to do when you get to places. These are kind of givens after a year of travel. It's just super straightforward, but I still see it um, in a lot of Facebook groups and stuff now. You know, people writing, hi, can someone tell me what to do in Bali? And I, I just kind of roll my eyes like, I mean, just type into Google what to do in Bali. <laughs> but it, it isn't a given. So it took me back to, you know, my first travels and I, I just had no idea how to travel, mm -hmm. which, yeah, it, it's kind of a foreign idea to me now, but I, I can transport myself back. Actually, my first overseas or my first solo trip in Indonesia, I lasted, I think it was 30 hours. I crashed a motorbike and knocked three teeth out. So, Holy um, shit. yeah. Uh, and I remember just driving around aimlessly. I didn't really know how to sightsee. So, definitely for some people, the best way to do is kind of like a things like bus about, like a hop on, hop off kind of tour mm -hmm. that gives you a little bit of structure, especially if you're a first time solo backpacking. Um, otherwise, it can be a bit disorienting of arriving somewhere and not necessarily knowing how to go about seeing everything and transport. And you might find yourself booking a taxi for $50 because you don't know how much the exchange rate is mm -hmm. rather than uh, having kind of a structure I don't love the idea of Contiki and stuff like this, but there are some tours and, um, you know, uh, ways of traveling that offer a little bit of structure to kind of get the ball rolling for you so you can understand a bit the logistics of how to book things and meet people at the hostels and get you eased into it. So I wouldn't go straight into a, you know, a 30-day solo adventure across, you know, uh, Colombia straight off the bat because you, you you might be fine but for me that would have been just so full on that I wouldn't have been able to figure out all the bits and pieces absolutely well as a as a side note can you tell us the story in Bali well where you crashed the motorbike yeah so I had it's it's kind of a uh, interesting for me to look back on in how my life's turned out now because mm -hmm. I had the idea to be a travel blogger but I don't think i really even knew what that was mm -hmm. because uh, i didn't have a, a website or anything but i had i bought a book and i was going to write down the things i did in bali um like it's just classic no idea of what's going on mm -hmm. and um you know i don't know where i was going to put it and i don't know how anyone was going to find it to read it but i was going to do a 10-day um moped journey around bali and and write my budget and what I was going to do and stuff. So on the first day, I got a motorbike for, I think, $30 for the whole 10 days. So I was off to a good start. 
And then I tried to drive to a temple and uh, it took me three, four hours and I still wasn't there and tried to overtake a car and it veered uh, towards the outside of the road and I just went flying and, uh, yeah, it smashed my face into the ground. Lucky not to – it was about – must have been 40 or – 40 or 45 kilometers an hour at least and oh my God. yeah knocked knocked out a couple of um teeth and bent one in so flew back to australia to fix it two days later jeez yeah so i i still had that notebook and it had like it had half a page written that was my first travel blog it said like <laughs> mo- moped 30 dollars lunch like five dollars and that was it so, <laughs> and then it's like new teeth <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've come a long way since that that attempt, you know. That is a that is a crazy starting, and I I just want to hit on the fact that if that didn't veer you away from traveling, that just shows how important traveling is to you and to to everyone. Yeah, I think I'm pretty just nonchalant about things like that. I just I was ready to keep going if my teeth weren't knocked out, um, but uh, yeah. It, it was a pretty disastrous solo travel trip as they go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I only had two nights and yeah, that was a mess. Well, I hope you still have that page somewhere that you can look back on and, uh, <laughs> and just appreciate where you've, where you, or what you've become since then. Yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> well, I asked this question on every episode. Um, where in the world do you think everyone needs to visit at some point? And this can be a city, a neighborhood, or as specific as like a restaurant you once ate at or a park bench you once sat on. I'd, I'll say India. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be anywhere, but specifically somewhere as crazy as Varanasi. Um, India is, for me, is just... Uh, an insane atmosphere and it's just it's raw life um it's just stripping back all of the uh layers that we've kind of coded society in there's people sitting on the side of the road and they're completely content and they're a you know they're a baba there's the you've got the people being the the bodies being burned and put into the river where people are doing their daily showers it's just absolute mayhem Mm -hmm. and absolute raw life and it kind of takes you as far away as possible from where you grew up and how you as a um what do you want to go western world or i don't know what they call it saying is but it's for me it took me as far away as possible from what i knew growing up growing up and just transported me to almost another planet yeah. That you you can't conceive all of the things that these people do on a daily basis until you until you're cornered in an alley by two cows, and <laughs> no you just and yeah, I think just totally overwhelming, and you really leave there with just like a whole new um, perception on like how things can go because mm-hmm. things do somehow things do work over there um but it's just absolute mayhem the people are the friendliest way too friendly Mm -hmm. but the friendliest people in the world but this goes way way too far in a good way but yeah most most friendly by far 
for me, they're the most real people. Um, they haven't had this, the constraints of structure uh, placed on them so much. Um, in a, in a, a lot of them, obviously, there's you know varying places in India, mm-hmm. but um, you know, you'll experience what I'm saying if you go there. So, yeah, definitely it's challenging for a lot of people because it does challenge what you know uh, because it is so different, and that's why I would suggest to go there. Um, you know, maybe not as your first destination, like I said before, but, uh, yeah, that's something that, you know, you travel so you can get, you know, more perspectives and see new new things and new cultures, and it doesn't get any more different than India if you've grown up in America, Canada, Australia, England, these kind of places. Absolutely. Well, it's, yeah, and it, like, you, like you said, it seems like a great place for maybe a seasoned traveler who's who's gone discover different places that are different from where they grew up and kind of prepped them for this new journey. Yeah, maybe maybe get into the double digits or <laughs> a year of traveling before you go just to really prepare yourself for mm-hmm. some of the situations you will end up in. But, you know, the people are good there, so you'll be fine if you go earlier. <laughs> awesome. I know you mentioned this earlier. Where are your future trips to? You're, you're leaving Panama in the next couple of days, correct? Yes, so Saturday we're doing the clean-up in the morning and the adventure, then Saturday night I fly out. It's a two-day two journey back to Australia for a week, and then I am heading to Java in Indonesia to do a film project with a buddy for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then I'll spend November in the Philippines. Um, after that, I'll head back to Indonesia. I'm doing a, uh event... Um, on Nusa Lembongan, we're doing a swim run um, charity event to build a recycling plant on Lembongan. So uh, I'll have to be there for a few days for that, and I'll probably plan some adventures around that. Excellent. That sounds very yeah. exciting. Where can people yeah. uh, Where can people find you online and find out more about your travels and the adventure uh, bag movement? If you want to read any of my travel guides or my stories, you can go to journeyera.com. I post a weekly, which is more or less a weekly review, um, as well as all the travel guides. So there's um, a kind of timeline that you can go through and see all the things that I've been doing for the last uh, two and a half years. So all of, if you like reading and you want to see all of the photos, journeyera.com. Uh, if you want to see the pretty photos or all of the stuff that's going on on a day-to-day basis on the Instagram story, it's at jackson.groves. Mm-hmm. And if you want to follow the Adventure Bag uh, movement, it's at Adventure Bag Crew. And you can follow that and see all of the awesome people that are collecting bags around the world and keep up to date with the events that may be happening near you. Excellent. Jackson Groves. We hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. Thanks so much for being on Hostel Homies. Thanks, guys.